right, folks, we're back here on the Boss Man Show. Uh, got a great guest for you, friend of the show. A guy, team I support a lot. Glad to see him doing well. Coach of the South East Missouri Redhawks, the man himself, Coach Rick Ray on the Boss Man Show. Coach Ray, how life in Cape Girardeau going right now, man? Well, it's going good. Anytime you can get some wins and conference play, especially on the road, uh, things seem to always go better after that. You got that right, Coach. You swooped that Illinois swing up there, SIUE, playing Eastern Illinois by the same score, Coach, of 86-74 going to 44 in conference play. Man, you got some symmetry going on right there, Coach. So talk to me about that. What were the key factors in you guys getting these two wins on the road up there in Illinois, man, and getting your team on a good momentum as we come in the last part of the season here, going down the stretch here? Well, i tell you, boss, man, it's really an anomaly um, that we our past two games, the score has been 86-74, um, but I'll give you even one better. The past three games, period, we scored 86 points. So uh, I've been coaching now for 25 years. I've never seen anything like that. But, uh, you know, I think the key um, to our team improving right now is just what we're doing on the defensive end. Um, we're such a young and inexperienced team. We only returned three guys that ever played Division One college basketball, and only one guy really played significant minutes of those three. Um, so we've really struggled on the defensive end, but our offense has always been ahead, you know, what we're doing defensively. So we're leading the OVC in scoring, uh, averaging about 76 points a game. Um, so, But we're finally starting to put together a defensive performance. We really guarded well um, for half you know, at Eastern Illinois, and then also for one half at Southern uh, SIUE. So what we need to do now in order to become a complete team is put together two halves of defending. So um, we're just really pleased with the effort our guys are giving and just the way they continue to develop. Now, Coach, you're doing a lot of shell drills with them to kind of get them in that rhythm to want to play good defense, get them a lot of shell drills, doing like maybe some all-practice days or nothing but defensive drill work to get them, to get them in shape. Coach, because I know you love defense, man. You ain't, you ain't defending. You ain't playing. Yeah, I, I tell you what, it's really been something that's, that's been hard for me um, because I'm a defensive-minded guy. I'm really um, proud of the way our, our team is starting to turn and make strides offensively in the way I've grown as an offensive basketball coach. And that's from getting a chance to go visit with some of the people that I've worked with that are moved on to become head coaches. Just really fortunate to be a guy who worked for Matt Painter and, you know, all three of our assistants that was there at that point in time are now all head coaches and surprisingly so, you know, all in the state of Missouri. So you got Conzo Martin at, at Mizzou and, and then Paul Lusk at, at uh, Missouri State, and Jack Owens has moved on to Miami, Ohio. And then I had a chance to work for for Brad Brownell, and Earl Grant is doing a terrific job at College of Charleston, and Richie Riley over at Nichols. Um, so I, I just get a chance to go around and talk basketball with those guys, and they've helped me offensively and uh, vice versa. Um, but, uh, you know, disappointed because I, I've always been a grinded out, get into your face defense, and, and the way the rules have changed and the way they've opened up the game it's really hard to play that physical brand of defense anymore. So, you know, our offense has made huge strides. we just got to continue to get these guys to have some pride. And that's what we've talked about a lot with our guys is having a lot of individual pride that, hey, it should bother you, you know, that your man beat you one-on-one. -on -one. And then also just team pride, being there for your brother and not leaving them on an island one-on-one. -on -one. So, you know, just trying to get those concepts down and just being really, really competitive, you know, in our practices one-on-one. -on -one. 
folks, we got Rick Ray here at the Boston Red so Redhawks. They're playing Tennessee Tech, Jacksonville State, coming this week in OVC Conference play. Now, Coach, uh, as you play those these two teams here, Tennessee Tech, Jacksonville, Jacksonville State, Coach, they're a little bit ahead of you in the standings here. So it gives you a chance to gain some ground on these guys and challenge your team to play up to the competition in the conference. So in practice this week, you kind of been talking to the guys about, hey, this is a good competition we got to play here. Challenge yourself against these guys. Show them what we're made of. Show them who we made strides here, what you're trying to teach them. Try to give them a challenge them to play well on the road here. Yeah, and, you know, the thing that's really fortunate for us, um, we're sitting at 4-4 four and four in conference play in, in the – the three teams that are ahead of us um, right in the standings are Jacksonville State sitting at 6-2, and two, Murray State sitting at 6-2, and two, and Belmont at 7-1. and one. But then right in front of us is Tennessee Tech at 5-3. and three. Um, So we've got a chance to pull even with Tennessee Tech if we can go steal one on the road. Um, and what you want to look for is you try to look for splits on the road if, if possible and try to protect your home court. Well, we haven't protected our home court. Um, we're 2-2 two and two at home. Uh, and two and two on the road. So we got to steal some games here on the road. But, you know, we talked to our guys about those standings. And if we can go and kind of give a blow to Tennessee Tech at their place, now it gives you a chance to play a, a game that may, means something when you go play at Jacksonville State. Yeah, you got that right, Coach. It's 94 miles from my home in Atlanta, so you're right, right, right close to there. So hopefully my fans will be cheering for you, not Jacksonville State. Cheering for CC Mode, <laughs> not JSU. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> They're closed, but don't check for them. Not on this show here. We we roll with the Redhawks around here. That's what we do here. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. All the help that we can get, we we gonna take that. No doubt. Now, coach, now you mentioned a little bit about your how your young team you have now. How excited is is, is it though for you coaching a young team, knowing that they can have a class that they can grow for you? You got some experienced juniors as well. You got some young sophomores and freshmen here growing that your guys can be really good in two or three years for being older in the conference and can compete with Belmont of the world who stay old a little bit here. They're bringing guys, love guys who stay old. So how's how, how's that when you look at recruiting and trying to build your roster? Does that really make you excited knowing that you can have class balance going forward? Yeah, well, I think you bring up a great point about being old. I, I think if you look at any um, so-called mid-major powerhouse or a team that's really good at the mid-major ranks, the reason why they're good is because, like you said, they're old. Um, so they've either got some guys that have transferred in that had a chance to sit out a year and grow as a player. Um, so you got graduate seniors and graduate juniors, excuse me, uh, fourth-year juniors, or you have guys that have matriculated in your program, you know, freshmen, coming sophomores, sophomores, or juniors, and now they know your program and they know what it takes to be successful at this level. Um, so that's what we're trying to get to. We're trying to become an older team. And um, the best thing about it now, you can be young and look forward to the future, or you can be young and not be very good. Um, I think we'll be in that, that first category. We're young, and I think we got some really good players that are young for us. Uh, Denzel Mahoney, who's the second leading scorer in the OBC, I was a freshman of the year last year in second team all OVC, just having a terrific year for us. He's just a sophomore. Our second leading scorer um, is a freshman um, out of Meridian, Mississippi, a Ladarius Brewer. Um, our fourth leading scorer is a freshman, a 6'9 uh, young man by the name of Justin Carpenter. Um, so we, we think our future is really, really bright. Um, we like the fact that we're starting to stack recruiting classes. You can't just have one good recruiting class and expect to be good. You've got to stack those. And um, we've got a red shirt kid, Khalil Cuffey, out of the Atlanta area that we think is going to be a major contributor for us next year. 
got a young man sitting out, Skylar Hogan, who we think is going to be a really good player. So I like our, I think our future is really, really bright. We signed a, a young man by the name of Alex. I'm Hendricks out of, he's out of uh, South Carolina. We think it's going to be a terrific player for us. So, you know, I like the fact that we're scoring the ball and we're learning, we're developing. And I, I'm just excited about what we can do with this program. And I think any fan base, you know, they want to see development. They want to see the team develop and they want to see players develop individually. And if you're not doing that as a coaching staff, um, then you're really doing that team a disservice. And especially individually, you're doing that young man a disservice by not getting him better. And coach, you also make the players better by being better men, getting them degrees. You stress academics. You also have your program, your program with class. You don't, you don't cheat. You don't do none of that stuff that we know go on in business. We ain't gonna talk about it. But you, you try to get kids, you, know, <laughs> you try to get young, young men degrees in your program. You try to get them to be better men, better fathers, better husbands. So talk, talk about your belief system and about that. How you try to make these young men good basketball players, yes, but also good men for the community as well. Yeah, well, I tell you this, boss man, and I think what's happening in our profession, in our business, we we're losing sight of why we got into this business. You know, I got in this business to help our young men to to, to be a guy who's a mentor for them and help them develop not just on the court but also off the court. And I think anytime we lose sight of that and we start chasing jobs and chasing money and chasing the limelight, that that's when I think you know it becomes off course there, and it's that. That old, you know, one of the deadly sins is greed. And I think mm-hmm. that comes into play here. So, you know, for me, uh, it's all about what are we doing for these young men to make them better people. And so we talk about that word development. It's not just on the court. It's off the court. You know, and what we talk about is I'm, I'm a first-generation college graduate, first person in my family to graduate from college. Um, I got my degree in applied mathematics, uh, went on and got my master's. And so for me, it's really important, the education piece of it. Um, so I'm really proud to say that anybody that's ever played for me has graduated. So 100% graduation rate. Um, so that's the thing I'm most proud of is I had a young man come and speak to our team that played for me when I was an assistant coach at Indiana State. And he gave an unbelievable testimony and speech to our guys about like what it takes in order to be successful, not just on the court, but also in life. He, he had a chance to play basketball overseas in Italy, Greece, Australia, and just had an unbelievable experience. But to hear him give that testimony, and when I knew him, when he was a player for me, I would have never guessed that he was a person that could come out there and give an eloquent speech and be so impressive. And that, that just filled me up with pride and joy that, you know, I made a difference in that young man's life, and now he's a grown man. He's going out and doing the things that we want to do, which is, you know, deliver a message and try to help people. And, Coach, like I said, speaking that same point, when you got to Southeast Missouri, you you, you convinced the guys to stay in your fence where they started, which is a lot of times the guys transfer out when a new coach comes. But you kept guys there to get in the fence where they started, and that's testament to who you are as a person and people, guys trusting you and your belief system. Because I'll tell you, Coach, a lot of guys would not care about guys they they, they they didn't recruit per se but you still care about those young men no matter what they're red hawks you care about them and you want them to do well so that's what you about you as a person as a, and how our parents want you to coach their son going forward if you get up to play for sorry and you can defend of course <laughs> play for the red hawks and help you guys out <laughs> yeah well I, I tell you what anytime you go through a transition of a new coach coming in and, and a coach leaving um I, you, people can say what they want to 
Um, but that coaching staff, whether it be the head coach or assistant coach, plays a huge role in a young man's decision to come and play basketball and get an education at a specific institution. Now, there's other factors, no question about it, proximity, degree major, things like that. But so when it's all said and done, that school is not picking up and going to go do a home visit with that young man. <laughs> that school is not picking up and going to do a school visit with the young man. It's the coaching staff that goes into that house and sells that program and sells that university. Um, so when there's a coaching change, um, you've got to be fair to these young men um, because they didn't sign up for that coaching change. But you want to give them every opportunity to still be a part of your program. Now, they got to want to be a part of your program um, by abiding by some simple things. We have some. We have five simple rules that we talk about all the time. Uh, the second one is don't do anything to embarrass uh, yourself, your family, the basketball program, or the university. Uh, third thing is, is live up to your expectations as a student athlete. Um, four is be on time. And five is no drugs. And so, like, if you can just do those simple things, then then we can we can work. The basketball is going to be simple. <laughs> Exactly. Um, so, you know, we want to give these guys an opportunity and a chance to be successful. And I just think it's wrong when you take over a program. You know, I, I hate hearing this expression, you know, well, when I get my guys in here or when I get my recruits in here, when you sign that contract and you agree to become the head coach at that specific institution, they become your guys. Amen. It has nothing to do, you know, with like that. So I just think that's totally unfair. When you hear that and when people say that, those are your guys. You signed the contract. You need to give them an opportunity, and you need to coach them up both on and off the court. And following for your coach is I want to get talk about your culture because I feel like you have to be so happy. Culture, you said Southeast Missouri because uh, with the program and the increase of wins that you've been in your third year, almost to, through your third year. So that's how happy are you from day one when you got there to now about how your program is so set with your foundation and your culture, you have had got a chance to build this out right, and now in the future you're going to prosper from the fruits of your labor these first three years of the program since you've been up there in Cape Girardeau. Yeah, well, i tell you what, it's, you know, it's a labor of love. There's no question about it. Everybody knows how hard you have to work in this profession to get things done, um, and especially when you're trying to get it done the right way. But, uh, you know, we just had a tremendous jump in our program uh, last year. Um, we were 23rd in the nation as far as, like, most improved teams in the nation in regards to wins. Um, you know, boss, man, we were 327th in the nation in taking care of the basketball um, two years ago. And we made a jump from being 327th in the nation to being 49th in the nation and taking care of the basketball. And, you know, so just the jumps that we made there, we were 336th in the nation in free throw percentage. And we went from that to 59th in the nation and free throw percentage. So the little things that were getting us beat, turning the ball over, not making our free throws, you know, having the opportunity to recruit and go out uh, make get guys that can make three-pointers and make sound decisions, you know, that's why our wins jumped so much and we improved as much as a basketball team because we went out and recruited some skilled guys um, that wanted to do things the right way. So, you know, we're going to be better even this year. Our, our wins are going to continue to increase. Um, I like where, I, where we're going here. Um, so I just think that um, just not just us, uh, but the community, our administration has been phenomenal in supporting us in the decisions that we make and what we're trying to get done here. Um, but this is a program that's on the rise, and if you look at our roster and look what we have coming in, you see all that youth and talent 
uh, I think our fan base should be excited because I know that I am. Well, Coach, I've told people to watch out for you guys next year. I've already been talking to you about that. Watch out. My man got him. My man got some guys, uh, Coach. I've been, I've been tuning you on, man. They'll tell you. I've been saying it. Hey, Southeast Missouri gonna be, be, be bad deal with next year. Don't y'all gonna want it? Y'all think y'all got it made? Don't be seen. Nah, I'm telling y'all gonna be good next year. I know it. I see it. All right. Of course, I trust in you, Coach. I trust in you, Coach. And your coach's ability. You can coach your ass off. I'm gonna go and say it on the radio. So you know what I'm saying. So. I, I'm seeing you next. I know you can do, do, do the thing. Uh, so I trust you with all my might to, to, to bet on the Rails good next year, Coach. So, hey, man, Coach, I was good to get you on the show, man. I'm happy for you guys up there, man. Happy for your program. Look forward to talking to you again down the road, Coach. Good luck this weekend, man. Well, boss, man, I appreciate you having me on, and best of luck to you, and I always appreciate when you have me on your show. All right, folks. And Rick Ray here on the Boss Man Show, people. Hello, my name is Travis Williams, President and CEO of Academics and Athletic Consultant, focused on educating and empowering tomorrow's collegiate athletic leaders. My passion is for the education and genuine concern and care for today's student-athlete. It's the centerpiece of my life's work. A college education, both in and out of the classroom, is a truly rewarding benefit. For more information on AAC, you can go to www.academics.com and athleticsconsulting.com. Once again, www.academicsandathleticsconsulting.com. Or you can follow me on Facebook at Academics and Athletic Consulting or Twitter at Coach TWheel24 or Instagram Travis L. Williams24. Or you can call me at 404 542 607. Once again, AAC is very proud to partner with J.R. McHenry of the Bossman Radio Show, covering sports and entertainment across the country. Please tune in weekly for informative, entertaining, and expert analysis on today's sports and entertainment topics. Thank you. Folks, we're back here on the Boss Man Show, joined by guest head on last year from the Athletic Bay area, the author of the <laughs> Miraculous Rise of Steph Curry, Marcus Thompson on Boss Man Show. Marcus, how things out there in the Bay area, man? Oh man, you know we live the life out here. This is Cali life, so we're good. Weather's good, teams are good, lots of drama. We like it. Now let me ask you this, because you're in the Bay area, so. How was the vibe been since John Gruden came back out there to be, be, be with the Raiders? 
Oh man, it's lit. You know, this is a. Uh, there's like probably one or two players who could probably get the bay that height, and you know, as far as NFL is concerned, maybe if they somehow got Aaron Rodgers, right? It would take something like that. But I don't even know if Aaron Rodgers would get the bay as hype as John Gruden, just because the Raiders' whole mystique is old school, back in the day, and Gruden is like the last time they were really good, so. It's turnt in a way you just don't see coaches get, you know, get a city turn. And that's like it. The, the Raiders haven't been this hype in a long time. So John Gruden is ready. Yeah, I see, man. Look, as a y'all say, the hella, he hella got a hella hype out there, right? Is that how y'all say it out there? Oh, yeah, for sure. No doubt. Y'all say, y'all say it in Atlanta, too. Everybody bought, bit our hella. Once Jay-Z said it, it was over. <laughs> <laughs> what you saying, Jay? Hell is international now. <laughs> all day. Hype in hella. All day long. Bay Area for life. I feel you, man. Now, I got to hit you by these Warriors, man. The Rockets are chirping, running their mouth, talking smack, running junk. I mean, from the Warriors' perspective, did they view them as a threat at all this season? They just thought they just a little pesky. The Rockets want to run their mouths. And they ain't accomplished nothing yet in the league with Chris Paul and them boys and James Harden. I think they didn't see him as a threat, but I think now because, you know, Clint Capella, you know, decided to pop off at the mouth, I think now it's even more than that. Like, they, they want to send a message to him. You know, they beat Houston like two two of the last three years in the, in the playoffs. And, you know, they got Chris Paul now who they've beaten regularly. Uh, so I think now they are awakened to Houston. So when they do meet, they're going to want to prove a point. So any chance Houston had of kind of slipping by or being overlooked, that's all out now. Because now it's like, all right, let me set you up. And really, to be honest, that's probably not the smart move by Houston. And I bet you James Harden and Chris Paul was like, Clint, what are you doing? Shut your mouth. Because the best bet you have with the Warriors is for them to kind of be disconnected, to be not mentally engaged, to turn the ball over, to take crazy shots. But once they lock in and they want to beat you, then it becomes that much more tough. So he definitely just made it much harder for the Rockets to beat the Warriors. And, you know, the Rockets are popping off at the mouth. Now, that's not a big piece of the puzzle, but Iguodala didn't play, and James, uh, not James, but Jordan Bell didn't play. And so you beat the Warriors at not full strength. You had Hardy coming back on the men's restriction. Chris Paul was there. Bob Taylor was there. But you you two key cause that bench to slow you down, Mike D'Antoni and the Rockets, wasn't there, and you pop off at the mouth. I mean, look, they, they won, right? So they, they in the building and they doing themselves. So that's that's how it go. And they haven't, the Warriors have not beat them with Chris Paul and James Harden together. They lost the opener to the same Rockets, you know, on ring night. So, they, I mean, they got a little something. Look, if one team can get hot and be the Warriors of Houston, like they show them, they just they, they make all kind of threes and they're clicking offensively. They can get a game, and this team showed they probably get enough to get two, but they got to get four to win the series. And I, I think they even know that that's tough to do. So I don't. You notice who's popping off, by the way? Yep. It's Clint Capella. It's Eric Gordon. This dude's coming off the bench. <laughs> It ain't the dude, like Kevin Durant said, it's not the dudes who have to carry the load and who's going to have to bear the brunt 
of beating the Warriors, right? It's not the guys. It's not Chris Paul. It's not James Harden. The players who, if they lose, are going to have to answer about it in the press conference. It's the guys who you, you probably don't hear from very much who, you know, talking the craziest. So I think that says a lot. If Chris Paul start talking, then, then probably we got, we got something brewing here. No doubt. Marcus Thompson here on the Boss Man Show. Now, Marcus, now, being around the Warriors organization the way you are, how happy they with the development of Kevon Looney finally? You got Jordan Bell before you got hurt, and Pat McCall. How happy is player development of the Warriors and Bob Myers feeling about these young guys contributing off the bench here? It's funny because at first, Patrick McCall was like the, the crown jewel, right? He was like the, the second-round sign. He was going to be really good. And Kevon Looney was like the first-round bust, you know, the guy who they were like, man, get out of here. But as the season has played, Kevon Looney's become the one who looks like the fine, right? He's the one who's been balling. He's reliable. And Patrick McCall sometimes, man, he looks like he's too shook to take a shot. So Looney's development has been great. And Patrick McCall has kind of declined. But Jordan Bell, like, he, that dude is a monster. He's going to be a beast. Everybody know it. It's just like a matter of time before he gets the regular minutes. Now he's hurt. He's going to be out a while. So that's more for Looney. But the Warriors, they, man, they do a good job of finding those little sleepers that nobody's paying attention to. And you got to do that when you're paying four dudes $25 million and up. You better find you a sleeper or two, right? So yeah. this is how they got to do it. They got to find they got to find some sneaky, some low key, cheap players who can ball out. And they got a couple out of the last three. They got at least two for sure. Yeah. Now, also, Marcus, I'm looking at, the, at these young guys. Will they squeeze guys like Swaggy P out for time, Zaza Petulia, and Caspi in the playoffs with the way, they, the way they're playing right there and developing? Well, Petula is going to play. Steve Kerr loves him, so he's not going to play much. But he's going to get that. He's going to get that first six minutes of the first and third quarter, and he might get a few minutes here and there. So he probably gets somewhere between twelve and fifteen. But man, Swaggy man, Swaggy showing up lately. At first, it wasn't looking too good. He was out of shape. He wasn't hitting threes like that. But lately, it seemed like uh, it seemed like he's learning how to play. You know, from champions. And the Warriors have a kind of way about them. They're like the Spurs in that way. When you come around them, you got to play like them. Otherwise, you probably won't play that much. And it will stand out like if you're not producing. So I think he's kind of bought into it. And, you know, I think he's loving the Bay. Like, you know, the music, the, the women, the food, and just the lifestyle. I think he's loving it out here. I think he's I think he's in a, in a good place. And that's translating onto the court. So... I think he might get the minutes in the playoffs instead of Patrick McCall, and probably nobody would have predicted that when the season started. You got that right. And also, I'm amazed by David West, man. I, he plays with such a precision and guy. I know he seems probably man, David lady. West needs to sell whatever David West is on. He needs to sell it for fifty nine ninety nine because that dude is twenty three again. I don't know what the heck has happened, but you see him out here dunking and bucking. I see him. That's why my like, dude got me amazed. Like, you're 37, man. He's supposed to be chilling. Nah, man, I don't know what he's done. And maybe he's winning a championship, right? Maybe he found this whole new zeal and vigor for winning the title. But, man, like, he could, he looked like he could play, like, three or four more years. Not like a starter, but just off the bench. He's already averaging his career high in blocks at 37. Like, he blocking shots like he's never blocked them before. And, you know, he's one of them dudes, too, like, 
you don't mess with David West. No, you it's don't. It's like when the fight break out and everybody talking, and then he step in, everybody shut up, right? Like, that's David West. So they could use a dude like that because, you know, players are always trying to, trying to uh, like, you know, try the Warriors, so to speak. But if you got David West on the roster, like, <laughs> you got Devo with you. So yeah. They they could use him. He, this dude might be forty years old playing in the NBA. So, I don't know what he's taking, but he needs to sell it. Well, I heard he said he's gonna make this be his last year, but is he back to back off that where he's playing playing so well? Is he gonna come back now when playing so well? I, I think because he's playing so well, I think that might, that might change. The, it, here's what it will change. It'll change how hard, how much the Warriors want him. And look, if he's having fun and they win championships. What's wrong with putting the extra three million dollars in your pocket, right? So, hey, you know it sounds good. He gonna quit, but you know he was saying that before he looked like this. Now he's the best center on the Warriors team. Like that's he's the he's the best true center on the team, and. No, who who saw that coming? This dude is thirty-seven. Exactly, and Javale McGee's persona grata. We don't see him anymore. <laughs> he just sits over the cheerleads, right? He ain't, we don't see him. Hopefully, we don't see Javale. Hopefully, right? Man, he don't. Uh, he's become like the last dude on the bench. And you know what? I got to give Javale props because everybody knows he wants to play more, and it's gotta hurt, right? Imagine. Going from where he was, where he was kind of like almost like out of the league on the end of benches, people forgot about him, and then he had this renaissance last year, and people people knew who he was, and he was producing on a high level, and he was playing for a champion. Like Javale, Javale reached such heights last year, like half the country was getting bad, getting mad at Shaq for clowning, right? So everybody turned on Shaq, like leave Javale alone, like Javale our homie. And he went from that, like he tasted that, and now he like right back to where he was. Yeah. <laughs> where like he's at the end of the bench, you know, nobody checking for him. So I got to give him props because he's handled it like a true pro. He's not causing any problems. He's not. You don't see him complaining. You don't see him griping. And just how the NBA works, this would have been a problem for for most guys. But he's handling himself like a pro, so he should get credit for that. But I don't think you're gonna see him very much because this is a pick and roll league. And he doesn't play pick and roll defense very well. So if you got anybody who's good in a pick and roll, they're on the court. They call him to put him in a pick and roll because he he just he just can't manage it after all these years. So he, he won't play very much. I hear you now. What's your sense of from being my ownership and that going to going to finally max out Thompson and Draymond Green on giving Durant his max? So are they going to really pay that super tax to keep off all of them guys and then having to pay baby Jordan Bell in a year because he's a second round pick and pay Looney maybe and pay West? So are, is, is all it's going to really put the money out to pay these guys going to that Chase Center come up in 2019? I mean, look, unless Clay and Draymond start looking not that good in two years, right? Well, Draymond's up next. But then Clay, you know, I start Clay's up next and then Draymond. So Draymond is probably the one who, you know, might be on the cusp. Because if he's not playing well, like, you know, like an all-star, they probably will be hesitant to pay him. Clay, they probably won't be hesitant to pay Clay. The question is, does he want the full max? I don't think they're giving either one of those dudes full maxes. They'll both be 30. But I think they'll get them in that 25 range. The truth is, though, man, the Warriors make so much money. And they're about to get this new arena, and they're going to make so much more money. And then they're going to get a new TV deal, make so much more money. 
And then they're going to get a new radio deal. Like, the, the owner is a money dude, and he knows how to get money. And you just, like, I think he's smart enough to know. He watched what happened in Miami. You just don't break up these dynasties for money. That's not the reason you do it. Do it because somebody slept with his teammate and had a baby by his point guard or something. And then there's drama and they got to be separated, right? Like, that's the reason you break it up. You don't break it up because you cry in poor mouth while you win a championship. So, in the end, I think he'll pay for them. If they're producing at a high level, he'll pay. And and then he'll pay for Jordan Bell because Jordan Bell just takes out of play. So, the money money shouldn't be a problem. He should be, he should be like uh, Jay-Z and Jermaine Dupree, old school money in his ass. With the top down, screaming out, like money, that should be, that should be the owner. <laughs> that should be the owner because man, they are they are making they are making all kind of money, and they still haven't even made the big money yet when that stadium opens. And final one for you, this man, Jason Kidd, Barry dudes, guy fired by the Milwaukee Bucks. I want to ask you your opinion on his firing, and, and also, do you think he'll end up in the league next year, coaching somewhere once this coach carousel gets going after after the season here? You know, I don't think so because, like, the league is going real heavy analytics now. So it's all about data and analytics and, like, that kind of advanced level of basketball. And I think they're going away from former players. And some of the guys that you're seeing, you know, like Mark Jackson should have a job, but he's a former player. And that that's not really appealing unless you got them X's and O's to another level. So... I don't. I don't know if they'll be checking for J. Kidd like that. Maybe in a few years. Maybe if he gets a uh, a couple of them little brainiacs on his staff. But generally, they're looking for those types. Uh, I think Fizdale will probably get a job before him because Fizdale is one of them analytics types. The, the interesting part about J. Kidd is like Milwaukee's gonna Milwaukee, I guess, because afterwards Giannis Antetokounmpo didn't know about it and is unhappy about it. And and Lightweight told Jay Kidd, like, look, man, let me know what you need me to do. I'll ride with you. I, I'll call my agent. He, he about ready to demand the trade, <laughs> do whatever it takes. It's like, how do they not inform Giannis yet? Exactly. This might be the best player in the NBA in two years, and he don't even know what's going on. So now, if whoever they pick next, if they don't get this right, he already pissed that they let Jason Kidd go. So then they bring in a bad coach. Giannis might be out. They might have cost him. They might have cost themselves a franchise star, one of the best players ever. All some stupid stuff about firing JK. I ain't saying don't fire him. I'm saying talk to your star player. Make sure he's on board. Make sure everything is cool. Sell him on it, and then now you make the move. But now the way he's looking now, he's feeling like you know these teams ain't loyal. You know that that's that's the, these franchises make that mistake all the time. Like it's business, whatever. These dudes are players; they're humans. They got feelings, and you already got one strike against you, and you got two strikes against you because you're in Milwaukee. Like cause ain't nobody really trying to be in Milwaukee. So the third strike is if this don't work, right? And then LA come calling. What you gonna do? Go to LA. <laughs> <Yeah>. out. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Bucks gonna buck, Hawks gonna hawk, Kings gonna king. <laughs> it never changes, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It, it will change one day though, because the Warriors used to the Warriors used to be in that mix. 
hey, hey, how we know the real truth? I'm loyal. <laughs> the bear treats me well. You know, I'm loyal. <laughs> yeah, all right, man. The bear oh, plug you a little bit. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Now we know the truth. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Well, Marks, man, it's been a pleasure having you on the show again, brother. We're going to do it again around playoff time again. Get you to get this playoff preview with you on the Warriors tip, man. But I love, love, I love, love what you're doing at LA, man. Keep up the good work, man. We got to talk to you real soon, brother. Stay up, homie. Absolutely. JC, the host with the most, baby, and it goes down each and every Saturday night right here in the city of Memphis. That's right, y'all. It goes down at Clicks Sports Bar Memphis, baby. 3705 Malco Way, Memphis, Tennessee, 38125. Come out and join us, the Three Kings, each and every Saturday night for the liveest karaoke in the city. Everybody gets in free till 10 p.m., only $5 after. Great food. We got drink specials. We got all kind of games, man. We got the pool tables popping. Whatever you want, we got you, man. Come on out. Have a good time with us each and every Saturday night. That's Clicks Sports Bar, Memphis. Shawty low, they know, they know he is. As we going to my man in Memphis, Tennessee, the king of karaoke, he did email karaoke himself. It's J.C. Smith with us for three-man weave with two-man today. We got with one man down, but we can handle the whole down two of us. J.C., what's good, bro? Hey, man, it's all about you, boss. We're going to run that pick and roll. Like uh, like stock in the car alone, man. No, that gets you get that elbow jumper, bro. Knock it on down, man. Knock it on yeah, down, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little, little give and go action, man. <laughs> no doubt, well, bro. Let's get on, get you up into these Cleveland Cavaliers, man. Drama, drama, drama. These dudes look like they don't want to be around each other no more. Losing games by 30, team meetings, best friends calling each other out in team meetings. I mean, like, bro, what in the world in Cleveland? They need to make a trade ASAP, bro. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, it's definitely some issues going on up there uh, in Believe Land right now. And, you know, it really, I think it all started, honestly, from, of course, you know, everything that happened with Kyrie and, and Isaiah and all that before, right before the season started. But even before that, I think once uh, D-Wade came aboard, and LeBron was like, all right, D-Way, I got a starting spot for you here on my on my team. And JR, and JR Smith was like, hey, what about me? You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, word was, JR was putting in the work during the summer. 
you know what I'm saying, getting ready for this season, thinking that he's going to have a starting, uh, starting role again. And he's got pushed to the wayside, man. So I think everything kind of just spiraled downhill from there into all the problems you're seeing now, man. Tristan Thompson, like, I know he's coming off the injury and everything, but, you know, it's something to be said. You know, once you know, once you go Kardashian, you really never come back. You know what I'm saying? Amen. So, you know, he's dealing with all that. Right, exactly. You know, and, and Isaiah, he's a good player, but, he's, of course, he's still hurt and trying to recover to get back to who he used to be. But at the end of the day, he's a 5'9", you know, dynamo that's going to score points but can't, can't play defense. So the Cavaliers have a lot of problems. Not sure. Not sure they're going to be able to get it together, you know, before the playoffs and, and go on the run, man. Like, I think they're, they're primed. They're primed for a takedown, man. I'm not even sure if Cleveland gets to the Eastern Conference Finals. I think, you know, uh, they can get knocked off in the second round the way they're looking right now, man. Yeah, man. Like, uh, I think they can, bro, because, like, uh, when you got that much dysfunction, it's like you can't win. I mean, Shaq and Kobe did it, but it's pretty much like LeBron James and a bunch of role players. And you got role players yeah. playing, playing out of a role. Like, Kevin Love is not, you know, just – he's not a three-point shooter. He's, he likes to be in the post. Right. Isaiah Thomas right. is a ball-dominant player. He's not himself right now. Uh, Dwayne Wade is coming off the bench. Kyle Corver can only do one thing. They have a lot of guys who want to do one thing. And it's actually just shooting the shoot right. ball, but they don't defend. And these lineups, Tyler's going with. Like, sometimes you can have an embarrassment of riches. No, no, they, all, they have all these names. But all these names don't – fit together and that's exactly the man they don't fit and and yeah it don't fit man you know the pieces of the puzzle don't fit and then look at poor dead rose he needs to be you know uh basically chilling at the house really man because he has been a non-factor in the league now for the last couple of years he did have one decent season in new york man but just psychologically something's going on with d rose where he's just not mentally uh locked in anymore uh into playing basketball man and then you know, you got Crowder. He's pretty much taking up space. You know, he's not really doing anything out there, man. So, it's not like, it's not one guy you really point to this other than LeBron. It, it, you could say it's really playing well for the Cavaliers right now. You know, and LeBron has to, you know, put all that on his broad shoulders and try to carry that team. And I don't know at, at his age now. You know, he's coming off of 30,000 points last night, you know what I'm saying, in, in San Antonio. And don't be surprised if LeBron ends up in San Antonio, you know, for the next few years, man. Yeah, or Houston, but man, I got a really, a really good sense about the way he was embracing Spurs, the way he's embracing Popovich after the game last night. Like that, that could be a great, a great destination for him. We really think about it. Yeah, would that mean you trade away Lamarcus Aldridge or Kawhi split his salary into a max slot on that roster? Like, so you know how the salary cap, you got to figure out how to work him in as a free agent. So. Or you can do a sign and trade potentially with some guys on the Spurs roster to bring him in. Yeah, some they'll figure it out. <laughs> some ways to do it. They'll, they'll definitely figure it out. Yeah, oh yeah. Now they'll definitely bro, work, way, work way out there. Now we we got the the Wolves bomb is they go trying to trade Channing and Fry Marshall for a second round pick for George Hill. What does that solve? Nothing. <laughs> I mean George Hill, you know he's gonna give you all that effort, you know. On both, uh, you know, both ends of the court there, but yeah, it really doesn't do anything for you. And I also heard about the Kimball Walker possibility as well, you know, and that would, that would be an upgrade, you know, a point guard over Isaiah Thomas right now. 
you know, but it's it's nothing the Cavaliers can do to salvage this season. You know, they just have to go pretty much what they have and, you know, just try to look in the playoffs, but they're getting knocked off this year. It, and like I said, I don't think they make it to the conference finals this year. And David Aldridge is reporting, bro, that uh, Dan Gibbons won't sell his majority share in the Cavaliers. He's doing <laughs> and it gets worse for him, right? Hey, why not, man? Cash <laughs> you out know, while you everybody can. Everybody try to jump ship, right? Everybody try to jump ship right now in Cleveland, man. And we cashing out. <laughs> <laughs> we cashing out. All right, folks. No doubt. That was our first segment of Three Man Weave. We got our bonus one for you, JC and myself. We hope this is just two of us. We're gonna get you two. We're gonna get two segments of Three, three Man Weave. You feel me? So back with Three Man Weave after the break. We're gonna talk about the New England Patriots and what they got going on. JC, boss man, Three Man Weave. We here. Get at us. JC, the host with the most, baby, and it goes down each and every Saturday night right here in the city of Memphis. That's right, y'all. It goes down at Clicks Sports Bar Memphis, baby. 3705 Malco Way, Memphis, Tennessee, 38125. Come out and join us, the Three Kings, each and every Saturday night for the liveest karaoke in the city. Everybody gets in free till 10 p.m., only $5 after. Great food. We got drink specials. We got all kind of games, man. We got the pool tables popping. Whatever you want, we got you, man. Come on out. Have a good time with us each and every Saturday night. That's Clicks Sports Bar, Memphis. Man show, more three man weave on safety in the three man weave with JC and the boss man. We're gonna give you some topics about the New England Patriots, JC, who are now going to their eighth Super Bowl and through this dynasty that they have uh, got going up there in Foxborough, Massachusetts. Now, JC, we had we had some reports of discord between the hood man, Bill Belichick, TB12, his. After they excommunicated his training guy, Els Guerrero, and Bob Kraft over the Jimmy Garoppolo uh, move them sending him to San Francisco. I don't know how much of it is true, how much of it is false, but there's some discord there. Then the playoffs, they get down there. It's Jacksonville, Rex Burkhead somehow on the handoff. Slices my man's hand open. I'm trying to figure out how you slice somebody's hand open on a handoff. I don't know how that happens, but whatever. Whatever's clever. Maybe trying to slice open a bagel and guys start saying that way. Bitch, make an excuse for it. Who knows? It's the Patriots. They make up anything all the time. And then, they're down 
to Saxonville, Jacksonville, the Florida men themselves, and Blake Bortles is going to pull off the unthinkable. But then Blake Bortles was Blake Bortles, delay a game penalty, change the whole, change, change the whole lower that game in the second half. There was, there was a had Brady them down by 10. Miles Jack recovers a fumble from Deion Lewis, but they blew them dead. He can run around a touchdown. It was a 70-point lead. After that, the Jaguars folded. They had conservative. Couldn't get anything going on offense, JC. They lost the game, and the Patriots are returning to the ball once again. But the Philadelphia Eagles, who I don't want to cheer for, but I will go on the Patriots. But uh, that's another story for next week. But uh, we'll go, go, go in like that. So, bruh, set you up where you at. Take your everyone to go, my brother. Well, like I said, you know, um, <laughs> the evil empire strikes again. Uh, Patriots going right back to the Super Bowl once again. You know, what is this, like a 10th tenth, tenth trip now to the Super Bowl? I mean, overall, well, overall yeah, but in this, in this down yeah. space. Yeah, it, it's, it's crazy, man. Um, you know, like I said, 8 with the Brady era, 10 overall now. And there, you know, there's nothing you can really compare them to in, as far as the NFL. You know, I think the closest comparison, of course, as far as their system and how they operate as a uh, organization, you know, it's called cross sports. Would be the Spurs, kind of similar, you know, to how they do things. But I mean, it's amazing, man. Now I'm, you know, I'm not a Patriot hater or anything like that. But I would love to see, you know, see them get knocked out, see see them get beat. And I'm, but I'm not sure if. Nick Foles is the guy, you know, uh, if he's up for the challenge. Now, if the Eagles had Carson Wentz, I we might have something there. But it's going to take a a A plus effort, man. I'm talking about a perfect, no mistake, miraculous effort by Nick Foles in order to pull off this upset. You know, and you know, if I was a betting man, I wouldn't bet on Nick Foles to do it, but. Nick Foles, he has confidence. He did play well in the uh, conference championship game against the uh, the Vikings, the three touchdowns. But it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough task, man. And you know we gotta see if if uh, Gronk, if Gronkowski, if he's gonna play, if he's gonna play or not due to the concussion uh, that he suffered. So uh, we'll see, man. It's gonna be another great Super Bowl and everything. But when you just sit down and think about it, man, Tom Brady at this point, he's already considered to be the greatest quarterback of all time, man. But the Patriots in every Super Bowl they've won. It seems like they've gotten a lucky break. The score's been super close in every in every uh, Super Bowl they've been in. You know, it's it's crazy how they always find a way, more times than not, to pull out the victory, man. So I'm looking forward to seeing it, man. But like I said, you know, I would love to see the Eagles do it. You know, if they can pull out the upset, but I'm not I'm not betting against twelve. I, I, you can't do it at this point. He's shown time and time. It doesn't doesn't matter what what, what happens. You take away his favorite his favorite target. Take away favorite two targets. He's always gonna find a way to pull out the victory, man. Yes, indeed. So, folks, kick a. See what we'll see. What I'm gonna break that week down the game by next week. But uh, yeah, I feel you, bro. It's hard to beat them boys, but I'm. You see, I'm gonna I'm gonna try. I'm gonna tread lightly here because the Eagles have a guy who went against Colin Kaepernick on their roster, who I believe is a certain word. I'm not gonna use on the, on the radio. But <laughs> so it's hard chance for them too, because right. I believe this man is a word I don't use on radio. So I, I'm not trying to use that word to get off the radio. So, but if you know what I'm saying, if you're with me, you know what I'm who I'm seeing waiting this about. Who took the money and ran? You know, right. I'm not gonna go any further than that because because bro, you know how 
you that can go either way if I go too much for them. So it's hard chin for them too. So we got that. So bro, before we go, I got a couple of stories for you, bro. It's something that's near and dear to your heart. Florida man arrested pulling a gun on a McDonald's employee after the ice cream machine was down. Hey, I think we talked about this before in the boss report story. Uh, hey, hey, that's serious business, man. Like, okay, now if it's if it's like late, late, you know, I can understand. Hey, right? even though I'm mad, it's not up, it's not, it's not working. But I can understand. But it's like six o'clock in the afternoon, in the evening. I just got off work, and I want, you know, it's a nice, nice day outside. And I want a caramel Sunday or something like that, right? And you need to tell your ice cream machine is down. How? <laughs> how? Exactly. So I can understand how people. How, you know, they can they can flip out sometimes by this ice cream machine, man. And it's, it's been time you go to multiple different uh, McDonald's here across across the uh, Memphis. You know, I got like three three here in the area that's close to me. And it's been times where I go to all three and the ice cream machine is down. How is that possible, man? It, it, it shouldn't be possible, bro. It's not. It's not possible. Makes no sense. No, no sense at all. So I have, yeah, yeah. I, hey, I can understand where that brother coming from, man. It's serious. It's serious business when the ice cream machine ain't working. And last one I got for it, Florida woman is arrested after leaving her toddlers in a hot car along with dogs, shotgun, and baby gators while she went into Home Depot and Electronic Express to shop for household products. Wait a minute now. So we had, it was a baby in the car with alligators? Yeah, <laughs> yeah baby toddlers in the car with a dog, alligators, and a shotgun while she went to Home Depot and Electronic Express for household goods. Wow. Wow. That's like a full house of of just all all type of wrong right there, man. Okay, yeah, West well, Florida, man. Like so, that's a that's a supreme <laughs> Florida supreme story right there, man. They got all the elements. Better believe so, bro. Talk to us. What's what we got going as we can click down to y'all? We have a Pro Bowl party. You having a Pro Bowl pregame party. What you got going this week, man? Man, well, we, we know we, we do our thing, man. Each and every Saturday, it clicks. You know how it goes down, man. The liveest party spot in the city. You know how we do it, man. Drake, even Drake came through. Drake was in uh, the city of Memphis this weekend, man. He came through a party with us, man. So, you know, we got Drake. You know, we got Drake coming out, man. So, you know, it's a good time, man. It clicks. You know, we're going to do a Super Bowl party coming up. And all that good stuff, man. Well, it's going down once again Saturday. So if you're in the city, look us up, man. Click Sports Bar and Billiards, number one party spot in the city, man. Karaoke Saturday night with your boy. That's the king of karaoke. Trustless Records. Jay. Excuse me the boss man show, people. Check him out.